Welcome to Wyoming Valley Church's podcast with Pastor Todd Walker. Before we begin a new podcast series, I want to do a couple well-timed podcasts on what's happening in our culture and society right now with this pandemic called the coronavirus. And I want to look at it from this angle today. I want to look at the difference between fear and peace. Fear and peace. I feel like a lot of us are fearful right now. Even those of us who are really acting like we're fearful, I think we are more fearful than we want to admit, and I'm including myself in that. You see, yesterday, I went to the grocery store. We just had to have our normal trip, and I was going to have a normal list that I had to get. And I decided to have a, a different strategy yesterday because I knew what was happening with our stores and with the societies going on right now. I knew people were all kind of thinking the same thing. So I said, why don't I, if I get to the store before everybody gets there? And the store opened at 7 a.m., and I was going to plan to get there around 7.15 a.m. <laughs> I'm not going to be one of those people that's waiting for the door to open, of course. I don't want to look that freaked out, but I'm going to give myself 15 minutes and... At 7.15, I'm going to show up at the store hoping to get all my items. And my strategy was that if I get there right away, you know, I won't have a lot of interactions with people because a lot of people won't think to get up that early. Um, there won't be a lot of people there, which means there won't be a lot of germs there. All the shelves will be stocked. I'll be able to get everything that I need. And that was my strategy, at least. And I told Janine, you know, this is the perfect time to go. And by the time I got there, it was 7.15 in the morning. And I was shocked and stunned by what I saw because sometimes I do go shopping for a family early in the morning. Typically after I drop my son off at school, which is about 8.20, 8.30 in the morning, I go to the store right after that because there aren't a lot of people there. It's actually a very comfortable time to shop. And I went at 7.15 yesterday thinking hardly anyone would be there. Maybe a couple smart people like me would be there. But typically... Going that early in the morning, there'd be hardly anyone there. And I was shocked and stunned to notice that there were hundreds of people in the store by the time I got there. I mean, I was like a um, late to the party, actually, by the time I got there. It was, it was shocking. By the time I got there, the parking lot was full of cars. And I immediately had this like worried uh, sense in my mind going, oh no, I can't believe everybody had the same idea. I can't believe I should have got here right at seven. I should have camped out. I should have been right there when the doors open. And I was stunned to see that there were so many people in the store and people were clearly worried and frenzied. They were clearing everything off the shelves. It seemed like a Black Friday. I don't know if you've ever been shopping during a Black Friday, but that's what it seemed like. All the shelves were kind of thin and there weren't a lot of supplies and everybody was getting the same items. You know, everybody was going to the meat department and the milk department and the bread, of course, toilet paper. And I noticed as I walked through the store that there were a lot of items that they were out of. They were out of meat, basically, except for weird meat. Uh, they were out of toilet paper completely and san hand sanitizer, of course, and any cleaning supplies they were out of. But they were out of ramen noodles, very low on rice, dangerously low on milk and bread. And i got to be honest, I found myself having a hard time not following suit and getting extra of everything just in case my family couldn't get it later. You see, I had a shopping list. And my wife had perfectly constructed this shopping list according to what we needed. And it was going to cost about this much money. And that's what I had planned to get. It should only take about, you know, 40 minutes in and out. I should be done. But I was actually in the store for about an hour and a half. And by the time I got up to the line, I actually had spent double of what I intended to spend. It's because I kind of started noticing myself following the trend of everybody there. I was noticing they were low on things. So I was going, well, you know... It's not technically on my list, or I was only supposed to get one of these, but maybe I should get three of these just in case. 
And I'm not normally that kind of person, but I was finding myself kind of following the trend, asking all of these questions in my mind, going, what if, what if I can't get it later? What if I don't get it now and we lose our, we lose our window of opportunity and we eventually just don't have any diapers or rice or cereal or whatever it was. And so I end up spending double the time and double the money. And it wasn't until I got to my car that I started asking this question, what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I so fearful of? What are we so fearful of in this situation? You see, normally when I go to the store, I shop in relative peace. If the store is out of something, I don't give it a second thought. I just go without and I think I'll just get it next trip. But yesterday seemed different. All of these what ifs kept crossing my mind. And I've got to be honest, I was a little ashamed that I was thinking and acting like the mob like everyone else, and maybe even worse because I have eight people in my family. We have six children, and it made all the what-ifs even a little bit scarier than normal. And it had me thinking after I got my bearings and got my senses back in the car, it had me thinking, what are we so afraid of? What are we so afraid of and why? Why does fear seem to be permeating our society? And peace seems elusive. Peace seems to be something we can't get a hold of, like some of those items in the store that we want. Peace is hard to find right now. I think one of the reasons, of course, is because this pandemic is new. It's unusual. It's unique. We're not used to this kind of thing. I remember 9-11 having the same feel when 9-11 happened. I remember thinking, this is this is brand new. We've never dealt with anything like this, not in, not in my lifetime and not for several generations at least. And 9-11 felt new and it felt scary because it was new. There was no game plan. You could tell no one knew what to think or what to do. And this coronavirus is kind of the same way. We've never really been here before, not in our lifetimes, not in these generations. And so this is brand new and the brand new brings a lot of what ifs. It brings a lot of scary things. And I found myself asking these what ifs, not out, you know, outwardly, of course, to anyone specific, but inwardly. These questions are just kind of there, and I think they're kind of there for a lot of us right now. Just these what-ifs of, what if what if I get sick? What if I catch this disease? What if this disease comes to me? How bad would it be? How sick would I get? Could, could it be very dangerous if I get it? Could it be fatal if I get it? What if? What if this thing is just starting? What if this lasts for months? You know, what if it's not just a few weeks, but it's actually several months? What if it lasts for a really long time? What if this is the new normal? What if this is our new reality? Uh, what if I lose someone close to me? What if someone like a parent or someone in my church catches this and, and, and they die? What if? What if that happens? What if it gets really bad? What if I can't pay my bills? What if something happens to the finances, our finances or the country's finances? What if the banks go down? Uh, what, what about the groceries? Like I was thinking yesterday, what if I can't get groceries? What if the shelves aren't stocked? What if I don't get there quick enough? What if the needs of my family they actually don't have? What if? What if I can't get diapers? What if I can't get milk? What if I can't get medicine? What if I can't travel to see my family or my tr family can't travel to see me? What if I can't see my sister in Germany for a long time? What if? What if this, is, again, is the only the beginning? What if this is just the tip of the iceberg? What if this is the new reality that we're all facing for the next several months or years? What if this gets really bad? What if it gets really dangerous? What if it gets really scary? What if instead of a few hundred people who are dying, what if hundreds and thousands or hundreds of thousands of people die? What if this is the beginning of the end? What if this ushers in 
the last days. All these what-ifs in my mind that I've never really considered on a day-to-day basis are now kind of there in my mind. And I'm trying to suppress them because I don't want to freak out, but I have to admit they're kind of there. And the question is, why are they there? And what do we do with those questions? But you see, as Christians, I think we know better than to go down those paths because a lot of those what-ifs are unanswerable. There's not a win. There's not a victory to those questions. There's no real solution to those questions. I ask them, and uh, I feel like it's necessary to ask them. I feel like it's responsible to ask them, but there's no proper answers to those questions. So all it does is make me panicked and fear-based. And as Christians, I think we know better. You know, the Lord gave us 66 books of divine revelation to answer these questions so that we can have peace while the world is worried and anxious about everything. Even if there aren't specific literal answers to those questions, the Lord has given us answers, hasn't he? So the question is, how do we find peace in the midst of things we don't know how to control or things we can't control? How do we get peace? You see, when uh, when I have the most peace, and I think this is just kind of obvious, the, when I have the most peace, it's when I'm asleep. The very reason that I can sleep proves that I'm capable of having peace. Because there are seven to eight hours every day, every night, that I yield. I give up control. I give up control to someone higher, someone greater, someone in more authority than me. And I'm able to lay my head on my pillow and trust someone else with my finances, trust someone else with my health, trust someone else with the health of my children, trust someone else with my home and my car and my bank account. For seven to eight hours, I know what it's like to turn my control off and hand it to someone else. And that's the interesting thing about peace is that we often think the way to get peace is to have control of everything. You know, to be frenzied and worried and panicked and to to get my, my hands on all these groceries to make sure my my family is nice and stocked. That's the way to have peace, is for me to have control. But I think it's quite the opposite. And I don't want you to just take my opinion for it, because in Matthew chapter 6, the Lord Jesus Christ tells us something about having peace. Listen to what he says in verse 25 of Matthew chapter 6, a very familiar passage. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat. Interesting what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Maybe you could even say what diseases you may or may not get. He says, is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? He said, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. Or you could say the world seeks after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You see, the Lord tells us in very clear language that 
There is no reason to worry. And I'm going to say that again. There is no reason to worry if we're a child of God. And he compares and contrasts a couple things to make the point. He says, consider the birds. And I find that an interesting phrase. Consider the birds because I don't often consider the birds. If I see one right in front of me, I'll consider a bird. If a bird does something to my car, I'll consider the birds. But generally speaking, I don't consider the birds. And that's the point. God says, consider the birds. They don't sow. They don't reap. They don't gather into barns. They don't do the will of the Lord. And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Your heavenly Father considers the birds. The birds don't offer to God what we can offer to God. We can offer God glory. We can accomplish the will of the Lord. We can thank the Lord. We can love the Lord. The birds can't do any of that. Isn't it interesting? The birds of the air have everything they need every single day. And it's not because I consider the birds. It's not because most of mankind considers the birds. It's because God considers the birds, because they're his creation. That's why he considers the birds, and he feeds the birds, and he makes sure the birds have everything they need. And this is what Jesus says. He says, after you've considered the birds, think about this. Are you not of more value than they? Aren't you child made in the image of God? Haven't you been created with his special creative abilities? Haven't you been cared for and loved ever since your birth? Aren't you special in the eyes of God? Hasn't he put you over every part of creation, set you apart as special and holy unto him? Even when you were sinful, even when you went astray, even when you were rebellious, what did God do? He sent his son to die for you. When things were so scary and so bad, God went to the absolute limits so that you could be cared for. Are you not of more value than the birds? The answer is, of course you are of more value than the birds. See, and I don't believe the birds worry. The birds just fly about and do their lives and they expect their food, the food to be there. And they expect to have nests and to be taken care of. And they are because God cares for them. And he says, you're way more valuable than the birds. And the birds are cared for so faithfully. They have everything they need. And it goes on. He says, which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to a span of life? Like when you worry, when you're anxious, when you're fearful, what do you actually accomplish? And the answer again is rhetorical. Or the question is rhetorical because the answer is nothing. You don't actually accomplish anything by being fearful or anxious or worried. In fact, what you do is you actually harm yourself. You make yourself panicked paralyzed, doubt. You make yourself lack of faith towards God. That's what you do by worry. That's what you do by anxiety. That's what you do by fearfulness. He goes on to say, why are you anxious about clothing? Or you could put anything there, but he says, let's talk about clothing. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Even Solomon, the richest man in the world at that time, could buy any amount of clothing that he wanted, any kind of clothing that he wanted. But the, the flowers of the grass were more beautifully arrayed than Solomon. And it's not because they're of more valuable or more valuable to God than Solomon or any one of us. No, that's not true. But he says, if God so clothed the grass with flowers which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? You are of much more valuable than 
the lilies or the fields and the grass. You are of much more value to God than anything this world has. And that's the point. He's trying to tell you by contrast to say, I take care of the field. I take care of the birds. All these what-if questions that you're asking about this pandemic aren't valid because I've never let you down before. I've never let you go really hungry. I've never let you be without shelter or protection. I've never let all your bills go unpaid for times that were really scary and people were calling you and, and you know threatening to close things off and turn things off. I've never let it get really scary. I've never let you go without. And the reason I don't let you go without is because you mean that much to me. The birds mean a lot. The field means a lot, but not as much as you, child, because you're made in my image. You can glorify me. You can do my will. You can love me. And I sent you my son. If I've invested the blood of my son into you, then you matter a great deal to me. He says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? And you could put a thousand other statements in there. Uh, what, what do we do if we get the virus? Or what if we do if there's no groceries? What do we do if the finances go down? He says, for the Gentiles, the world seeks after these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them all, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. You see, you have one task and I have one task, to do the will of the Lord. The Lord has not put me in charge of protecting my welfare. The Lord has not put me in charge of providing for my needs. The Lord has not put me in charge of my spiritual welfare. He is in charge of all those things. But what he has put me and you in charge of is doing his will. We have a task. We have commandments. We have a will and a purpose to live for that lines up with God. And that's what he actually has given us to. And that's what he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And child, all these things will be added unto you. You'll have them all. You'll have food. You'll have clothing. You'll have protection. You'll have safety. You'll have my care. You'll have my faithfulness. You'll have my provisions. And he caps it off in verse 34 by saying, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. These what-if questions, most of them have to deal with the future. I mean, I found myself going to the grocery store and not buying extra things because I needed that many things. I didn't need that much rice or that much mac and cheese or that much milk that day. I, I bought it because I was thinking about the next, next week or the next month going... What if I can't get it then? What if I come to the store next week and it's not there? Wouldn't I be thankful that I bought extra today? And they all have to deal with the future. And I think that's where a lot of fears come from. We can kind of look at today and go, okay, I can handle today. Today's not too bad, but I don't want, I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. What's tomorrow going to look like? How bad will it be? How, how long will this last? What if all of these things happen? What if it gets really bad? And that's a paralyzing type of fear. That's not the fear that God has for us. See, peace isn't when every provision is known about. That's not peace. See, I thought in my mind, I think yesterday I was thinking, if I have everything that I need for a couple of weeks, for three weeks, then I'm going to be at peace. But that's not where peace is found. Peace is not found in every provision being known about. It's found when we know who is in charge. Peace is found when we know who is in charge and who loves us to the point that he cannot fail us. 
And that's what the passage, that's what the point of the passage is in Matthew 6. Jesus saying, listen, I care for the birds faithfully. I can't fail you, child. You're made in my image. I invested the blood of my son into you. I cannot fail you. When we fear, we panic. And when we panic, we, we're acting like practical atheists. No one wants to consider themselves a practical atheist, but it's true. When we fear, we panic. And when we panic, we're acting like there is no God. Now, I want to say this. Being sensible isn't panic, okay? There is a good type of fear. A fear that causes us to act sensibly so as to avoid danger is a good type of fear. But there's also a bad type of fear. A fear that paralyzes us or gets us to worry or answer all the what-ifs of life is a bad type of fear. And the devil loves that type of fear because there's no victory in it. All it does is steal joy. All it does is steal peace. All it does is steal security from us. And the devil loves when those things are taken away from us. When we shy away from doing the will of God because harm might come to us, that is the wrong type of fear. I should buy extra groceries because what if it's not there tomorrow? That's the wrong type of fear. You see, we have a Lord that all the scary things of life bow to. All the scariest things of life bow to our Lord. I want to read you an excerpt of a psalm from Psalm 91, verses 5 to 6. It says this, You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence, or you could say disease, that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. You will not fear. Why will you not fear? Because the Lord is in charge. Those things fear him. Those things submit to him. The reason you will not fear is because he is in charge. The reason you will not fear is because those things bow to him. Those things yield to him. So the strategy to finding peace is finding the true peace giver. When we truly have something to fear, when we truly had something to fear, God's wrath against our sinfulness, that was something to actually fear. And when we actually had something to fear, what did God do? He sent Jesus to calm our fears and to offer us peace. When there was really something terrifying, God sent the peace giver to calm the waters and say, I've offered you forgiveness and salvation. I don't want you to be fearful of my wrath. Come into the refuge of Jesus. And if he did that at the cost of his son's blood, then God really wants us to have peace. He wants us to be committed and sold out to doing his will because his peace is with us. And the only real danger is when we forsake the Lord, when we act on our own strength. That's when we should really fear, when we forsake the Lord and we try to take control of every situation, like me at the grocery store. That was a wrong type of fear. I should have trusted God. I should have left some groceries for other people. And I'm ashamed of that. I spent double the time, double the money. And when I got to the car, I was saying, why did I do that? Why did I act that way? I acted like a practical atheist in the store. And I'm ashamed of that. I, asked, I had to ask for forgiveness of that. How does this apply to our current situation? It's simple. Act sensibly. That is a good type of fear. Act sensibly. Don't go head on into danger for no reason. That's a good type of fear. There is a good type of fear. Don't just say, oh, no big deal. The virus can't touch me because I'm a Christian. I'm going to go here. I'm going to do this. I'm not going to have any precautions. No, we should act sensibly during this time. But 
Don't panic. Because the Lord has such a long resume of love and faithfulness in our life, does he not? Doesn't the Lord prove in his love over many countless years? I will be there. I will provide for you. I will protect you. Look at what I've done. Look at what I've brought you through. Look how many scary things you've accomplished. Look how many things I've gotten you through and you got unscathed and you thought the worst was going to happen and it didn't. I brought you through it. Don't I have a long resume of love in your life? If we fear anything, let us fear disappointing our great God for all he's done for us. We need to actively remember what God has done. And that remembrance helps us because it causes us to rejoice. It causes us to thank. And when we're thanking God, we are not doubting God. We're remembering what he's done. And when we're praising God, we're honoring God and we're glorifying God. And we're recognizing God is here today. God will take care of me today. I don't have to panic. I don't have to be paralyzed. I don't have to answer all the what ifs. God is on his throne and I'm going to yield control up to him. And I'm going to do as the New Testament tells me to cast all my worries upon him because he cares for me. All I have to do is concern myself with the will of the Lord. All I have to do is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and my Lord has promised that all these things will be added unto me. If your Lord desires something from you that requires action, he will make it clear to you. So don't deviate. Continue to do the will of the Lord. Continue to love those around you. Continue to seek and strive after the commandments of God. Continue to glorify God in everything you do. And know and trust that your God will be there to protect you. There's a lot we could say on this, but I hope that's been at least a little bit of help to you today. Using my own experience of my own failure. That uh, we need to choose peace over fear today. We need to choose the peace giver over the fear giver. Which means Jesus over the devil. I hope that would help you today. I hope you'd think sensibly about this. I hope you would think with faith. I hope you'd remember the long resume of love your God has for you. And I'd hope you confidently, without wavering, obey your Lord because he's worthy of it and he's protecting you. Many blessings. Thanks for listening to the Wyoming Valley Church Podcast. Join us for worship Sunday mornings beginning at 1030. We're located in the Dolphin Plaza on Highway 315 in Wilkesbury. Learn more about us at wyomingvalleychurch.org. Wyoming Valley Church, a place where all are welcome.